like to see most of the human race killed off because it is unworthy. It is unworthy of the gift of life. I don't care what society thinks. They're nothing anyway. They're no better than me. Until we have a safe word, we will not stop. Spirit's about to, about to have a new location. The Spirit Halloween store. Oh yeah, they'll think they'll do it at a Buckingham Palace. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It is set up for it, and honestly, to realistically, they'd only have to paint it. Like they, you just go over the castle in black, because that's what uh, Mitzi Shore did to the uh, comedy store. It used to be Suro's, uh, a gangster hangout on Sunset Strip. Really, and um, I guess after it was purchased and turned into a comedy club. That place was painted uh, black uh, inside and out. It really, really added to the grimness of show business. I, I bet produced Buckingham, a lot of good Buckingham comments. Palace is haunted as, as hell, man. Like, you just imagine. Oh, first of all, there's all kinds of what's shit in the in basement? There, you know there's dragon bones down there. <laughs> yeah, you're lucky if that's all. There, there are dragon bones down yeah. there. Oh, know? yeah. It's, <laughs> look, just think of, like, look at all the dead BDSM. Indian kids they found in Canada behind these Christian churches. How many do you think corpses are buried under what? royal property? What is going property? on in Canada? What did you oh, didn't you know about all this? No. Oh, we're not as nice we as... We don't hear much as Canada. You don't care. <laughs> that's why. I, I, we don't I'll hear be, much about 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 Canada yeah. down here. Yeah, down in Texas. They know? gave us a uh, a bad accent, but also gave us free health care. So okay. it, it's a kind of hot potato thing. But you're but saying there are vampires and shit down there, or what do you? In uh, no, the um, oh Christians that took over the country took all the native indigenous. Uh, what do you call here? Puritan or the Puritans took over like the yeah. indigenous people. So <laughs> when they killed the kids and buried them behind the churches, well, they're uh, having um, scans of these things because they're unearthing hundreds of dead kids in these mass graves uh -huh. behind the churches. Poltergeisty, sort oh. of like. Mm. Remember when the girl comes out of the house and she goes, Where is everybody? <laughs> My friend's a fireman and. Uh, a girl OD'd on pills, and her sister found her dead in, in, the, um, in the house. And when uh, she had um, come home and found her dead sister, she was on the front lawn doing the poltergeist really? uh, scream. That's yeah. tragic. Yeah. That's He's tragic. A, being a fireman. So you get to do the pretend <laughs> stuff, uh -huh. but uh, it's usually a yin to the yang to the thing where you might be more of a sensitive, uh, uh, warmer person outside of the cartoony horror aspect of it do you cry in public um i, I try as much as possible to, tr to cry in public because you know it's all about the discomfort and the people around me that i enjoy so yeah if i can muster up some tears in public you damn well yeah believe i'm i'm gonna try you know? oh that was the one yeah. of the things that i discussed with jared 
was that uh, I go, can you cry? And he goes, watch this. Really? And he fucking, <laughs> he turned into a, just a crying toddler. Right? Dang. He's I feel good. like he was underutilizing the film then. We I know. He you should have made him cry in the film. I wanted to, but I didn't know how the rest of your workers were going to take me <laughs> berating a disabled guy. Yeah. <laughs> they were already kind of, uh, they were over, everybody was yeah. very professional and cool, but uh, we're comedians and yeah, there's nothing don't... professional or cool about us. <laughs> well, yeah, they don't understand you guys have a relationship. You know, oh. y'all know each other well and you're not going to offend one another. No. It's like this, this world of... Well, they can't put it, look at us. See, yeah. you've been around us for a minute, mm -hmm. but two people seeing, I had a stranger came up to Jared uh -huh. In my neighborhood, and goes. Tried to have sex. That man me. that you're with, is everything okay? Oh my god! They thought I was killing Jared or something. What was that? I was. I'm protecting him. I was out with him so he wouldn't run off in the traffic looking for ice cream. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The guy asked him if he was okay. Isn't that wild? Yeah, because next one, you know, I look like I'm trying to get his soul. Yeah. Which a part of it is true. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need a little extra. Well, you guys have a very special relationship. You know, yeah. that it, out from the outside, externally, you don't really, if you don't know that, it just looks like you're berating him, mm. you know. So I can kind of see how the rest of our <laughs> film crew would be like, damn, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, this is, I was pacing myself. But yeah, there was, I was yeah. really uh, excited about that Abbott and Costello type of dynamic mm. that we had. And uh, yeah, in, in hindsight, we there was more room for us to be like but it wasn't about us it was about the movie and that's what i explained mm -hmm. to jared is that this is the first time that you're going to be in the middle of a lot of moving parts mm -hmm. and uh do not make eye contact with the director <laughs> he's a real prick and he's coming hot He's a real ass. He's a real dick. Oh, yeah. this guy is up and down. Everything's got to be perfect. Or I'm not going home. Man, he was a pleasure to work with. I mean, yeah. obviously you are too. We do a lot of things with you. But I mean, that was my first time with with working with Jared. I'd gone yeah. and seen his show, you know, and yeah. and um, it was really funny, and he was great. And but he was just um, really quiet. And obviously, I had a lot going on that day in particular. We mm -hmm. had about fifty extras or so, and so it was it was a pretty pretty intense intense day you know so i didn't yeah. get to really interact with with jared like i'd like you know like i would no. normally on a on a more private set sure. you know but no i'm glad that uh you know you took a chance literally you know you'd originally approached me to play the tour manager mm -hmm. and i felt i was a little more than i could uh handle at that time um, and I didn't want to do anything disservice to the film. Mm -hmm. And uh, but I also knew that uh, you you are also a guy who can make adjustments and make mm -hmm. you have you've had to learn how to play the wind. And when it changes yeah. direction, you're dealing with, you know, all, especially filmmaking. I don't even know how do you, you do the theme park every year like that's. Yeah. It's well, a, it's not so different, honestly. I mean, you know, uh, directing up, you know, being the owner, which is also essentially the director of operations mm -hmm. of the theme park. It's, it's actually very similar to film and you'll have like a giant actor base. It's actually more intense than film because you have 40 or 50 actors and then you have sort of sub managers. Zero control over the weather. Right. And act, makeup effects, a whole team of yeah. makeup effects. You have wardrobe and then. And then you have your technical staff as well. And so it's very similar um, working at sort of these themed Halloween, you know, 
themed attractions is very similar directing those as it is in film. Yeah. I find film a little bit more, you know, gra I can grapple film a little bit more because it's a minimal staff. And although the day that we filmed you guys was a pretty intense day, as I was saying. But, oh, was it? Yeah. You didn't look it. I honestly, I've worked with a handful of directors and I've never seen anybody uh, as composed and as like, you know, there was no uh, erratic behavior out of you where I've seen people crying and stuff. Yeah. Uh, usually because I'm in the scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, Sarah and I watched uh, uh, watched your film, mm. um, and I enjoyed the heck out of it. Yeah, know? it was fun. Yeah. I think it's right on up, Spare parts, up your yeah, alley. It was like killer, dude. I mean, I, it was great, you know? The, Again, the director of that film, I had known him since uh, we'd met, like, early 2000s, and, uh, you know, even one of the actresses had told me, like, day two, she goes, if you weren't the director's friend, you would have been fired by now. <laughs> and I said, I know, I know. I, I'm really, uh, I, I need a lot of time with material mm -hmm. to get rid of all the comedic uh, muscle memory, yeah, to become right. more of an actor yeah. opposed to clawing at anything that will actually mm -hmm. elevate my comedic voice. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I, I do love the opportunities to do these acting roles and... But for the most part, um, you know, I'd like to do something like, you know, very, uh, very deep and something uh -huh. where I'd have to separate myself. Daniel Day-Lewis shit, uh -huh. where you kind of don't really come back from the character because uh -huh. you're so entrenched in yeah, it. Right. Yeah, just something so counter to who you are. Yeah. You know, that you it's it's truly just some something completely different then you could step outside of yourself completely like uh, did robin williams actually do any villains yeah with the phone photo booth yeah was it photo uh -huh. booth? yeah that was haunting yeah and again with adam sandler uh punch drug love and uh <laughs> yeah. comedians tend to have a, a little more of a they have a dark side i you know hmm. I, I, I think all really? comedians dark side, definitely huh? have a dark side. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> I, actually, that's it's so it's funny to me because you know where I come from, which is this sort of dark, these dark arts. Yeah. Of, of you know, you manifest the things I'm thinking parks. about. Yeah, yeah, horror theme parks and and horror films and stuff. You know, all that stuff is sort of intrinsically in a lot of comedians. You know, mm -hmm. and it's just it's the same thing where you're sort of dealing with these problems trying to deal with these thought problems in a very positive way to the world around in the with the world around you, you yeah know? and so the artists that work at my theme parks or maybe the actors or the writers in the films that we do um these sort of creative arts come from this place where they're just sort of trying to to cope with, yeah with some sort of mortality or whatever it is that you're trying to cope with being a human being on a rotating rock you mm -hmm. know and in a positive way without going into some dark avenue you know of drugs or or whatever i mean not that that's bad but it's so bad that it leads to you know suicidal thoughts or horrible things it's like that. 100 percent comedy saved my life mm -hmm. uh you know i really didn't have a place in anything and i was comfortable with that i got these fucking assholes this is very unprofessional just tell them to fuck off i did but this guy's been to jail 
<laughs> Did you drop? You must. You dropped the soap, and now he's. There, he's a good-looking white guy. Who went to jail for a year for smell uh, selling weed. Oh uh, yeah, I heard that dropping the soap is not really a thing, man. I was watching this thug on TikTok, and it's like three myths of going to jail. Dropping the soap does not mean anything. First off, if you drop the fucking soap and you pick it up and you bathe with it, you're nasty as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's off the ground. It's like literally with yeah. just cum all over the place yeah, and blood. <laughs> jail shit. Yeah. Jail shit. Old stitches, band-aids. Yeah. No, it's not good. I've watched various uh, YouTube um, uh, documentaries about people who've spent long-term prison stuff, but uh -huh. there's way worse things in getting raped in jail yeah i can imagine there are definitely yeah. worse things to get raped a, in jail you know as a matter of fact if you're in jail long enough probably getting raped is probably a one of the few pleasurable back. <laughs> one of the few pleasurable experiences <laughs> yeah. that you can have it's right. called acupuncture <laughs> yeah. in prison getting raped in jail it lines your electrical pulses you know like just yeah that's what they tell you while yeah. they're yanking handfuls of your hair out of the back of your head and punch you in the ass no kissing ever <laughs> that's right no uh, i don't want to i just want to do comedy i don't want to get raped in jail oh okay um duly noted thank you <laughs> duly noted guidance counselor yeah, that's right so Corey, you you you're not from uh, texas are you um i am kind of most of my family is from louisiana they're cajun yeah. um and I was raised right on the border of Texas and Louisiana, so uh -huh. honestly, it's more—it's officially Texas, but more like Louisiana. Okay. Most of the people in my hometown were were Cajun; they were from Louisiana. I smell food stuff, immediately so, as soon yeah. as I hear Cajun. Yeah. I smell food. Right. I know that there's the food is fucking outrageous. Yeah. Right. It is absolutely, and my whole family are Cajun cooks, so. Yeah, the summer funny. barbecues must have been insane because I've seen the various cooking shows where they have these giant stainless steel bowls mm -hmm. and they cook all this shrimp crawfish and stuff oh, and yeah. it's all seasoned and mm -hmm. yeah is it jambalaya or something is that yeah a cajun that's, dish? that's certainly a, a cajun dish and yeah. shrimp creole and gumbo oh. are all part of it and so yeah that's um i grew up eating so much of that it was sort of standard operations for yeah. us back you know and then when i moved i came to austin for graduate school in around 2000 and um and then I didn't really realize what I was missing, you know, when I moved up here away from all of that yeah. great cooking. After five or six years, you start to realize it's like, damn, that's good, good shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it all, you know, especially when you're away from it uh, for, you know, years at a time, you go back to that restaurant. You kind of walk by a bunch a hundred times. Mm -hmm. You only went in once a year. And now you're like, I can't wait to sit down in that place yeah, and right. eat that menu. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. like that at a uh, whorehouse. I have the same thing. Yeah. I'll just say, hey, if you don't want to eat that, I will. Yeah. <laughs> It'll some, take your sloppy, spicy seconds. There. Some homeless guy waping his <laughs> asshole with a license plate. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's definitely Creole, I would say. You know, that's that's some Louisiana Creole. Well, what's the uh, the Canadian connection to uh, Louisiana? Well, uh, so, uh, you know, the story there, I think, is that you know during the french and indian war i guess the french sort of sailed south on Missis either south mm -hmm. on the mississippi river or north and so i think the north yeah. of course went up to canada and the south went down to i mean you know i'm not a historian but and the south just sort of kept kept cruising all the way down to the you know the delta or whatever i always is, thought what it would look like from like a 
looking at you were talking about this rock in outer space mm -hmm. but if you had a chance to see all the populations moving over time lapse mm -hmm. around and seeing where your That'd grandparents come down there's going to be some sort of mm -hmm. geo map of where you get to see because they're going to do the dna thing mm -hmm. will all lock up everyone's going to be on catalog uh -huh. and they'll be able to trace they'll start to pinpoint timelines and stuff and then we're back in the uh, metaverse yeah yeah that would be a pretty sweet animation actually to see the propagation of humans yeah. throughout history and then to find out like you know the pre-human era where they were with the dinosaurs and the aliens came down and you know i have you're going deep <laughs> i was on the other side of that fence you're already back in dinosaur town yeah i just wanted to see where my grandparents started fucking each other oh yeah okay, well the great like i don't stop there you know they were probably your great 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 grandparents were probably fucking dinosaurs you know? yes. maybe really is this i don't know oh is there yeah, lizard maybe. people coming across the table <laughs> lizard people yeah that's a big thing now of lizard people People, uh, friends of mine swear that there's uh, lizard people, like shapeshifters types. You think? I don't. Alex no. Jones? <laughs> no, but they've, they're all drinking from the same tap. I'm like, I'm not upset about lizard people. No, I don't know. They're, that's a big alien myth, mythological folklore Remember based v? on lizard people. Yeah. Remember V mm -hmm. and the lady swallowed the rat? Oh, uh -huh. the, the, the yeah. newspapers went crazy. Mm -hmm. Look yeah. at me. And the newspapers went crazy <laughs> because the magic lady ate the rat. That's funny you're talking about lizard people because I was just making up a story with, with, with Sarah, our actress, the other day. We have discussions and I just make up wild outlandish stories and I was talking about lizard people that live underneath the earth. So, Chud. Yeah. Remember that? Cannibalistic oh, underground Chud. dwellers or whatever yeah. it was called. That movie terrified me. <laughs> I'm telling you, I forgot about Chud. Really? Yeah, I gotta watch that again. It's yeah. good. It's great. On acid. <laughs> I'm never watching on acid now. But... I was a kid of VHS tapes. Same. And actually, a, a beta. Mm -hmm. My my friend's parents had a beta and a VHS, and they would have stacks of films, tons and tons and tons of movies, and they'd work shifts. So we'd be over at his house, going through. 10 horror movies a day like mm -hmm. went from like cable television to watching you know slasher films mm -hmm. over and over and over again it really yeah. made an impression yeah and that was a golden era of horror yeah know, where you know nowadays you have a lot of independent filmmakers because the technology is there to where any a lot of people can just grab a camera and go make a film mm -hmm. you know like a 4k film try to make frankenhooker yeah, right. I mean, like that's a that's a huge undertaking with no no help. No right. one's getting behind that. Yeah, like the Kaufman stuff or whatever. Mm -hmm. you know? Lloyd Kaufman. Uh -huh. I cornered him at the hotel in uh, Montreal in the lobby. Did you? Yeah, he was doing a speech called uh, from his book called "Make Your Own Goddamn Movie." Uh -huh. He wrote a book about how to make your own <clears throat> independent films, and uh, I stopped him. I'd never really bug out, but uh -huh. I, I knew I had to have this Lloyd Kaufman moment. Mm -hmm. I'm like, dude. I fucking love you. You're the greatest thing uh -huh. in entertainment. I just, I was a late bloomer to the Toxic Avenger stuff. Yeah, me too. And my brother, would, my young brother's 14 years younger than me, and he'd show, you're going to love this. Uh -huh. And we'd sit and watch it over and over. The the, uh, the band that we play in, The Immortals. Trauma. Is, yeah, we're, we're doing a trauma, a trauma event, I guess, um, November the 5th. And he's... He may be there. Yeah, maybe. He, he's an older gentleman now, With for Lene. sure. He was an older gentleman when I met him twenty years ago. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's um, he's definitely got this sort of 
you know, subculture attached to his films. Yeah. That, you know, especially in the horror genre. And I don't know if it's still staying alive or if the newer generation is sort of attaching themselves to it or not really, but it's definitely like my generation and probably your generation, there's a whole subculture of, of Kaufman fans, like a demographic that's like, you know. They have trauma. Uh, a friend of mine in Vegas is the head of the trauma Vegas chapter of trauma. I forget what their title is. They have chapters and shit. Yeah, like, like in every major city has society. a trauma, like uh, part of their fan group or something oh, like that. Yeah, so wow. it's, he's, the fans are so nerdy and into it that they'll organize all the back end of it. Wow. Like, we'll, we'll set up these events for you. They're fans. Mm -hmm. They're actually, you know, probably helped them a lot. Yeah. Know? I'm sure. All yeah. those cameos in uh, all his films and stuff. Those are, you don't get, you <laughs> If know. you go back and watch those films now, at least me, it's like, oh, they're so bad. But obviously they were meant to be bad, and that's what mm. made them good. Yeah. You know, even then, at that time. But... It's wine of movies. It just gets better with age. <laughs> yeah. You know, right. Marissa Tomei was in the Toxic Avenger. Marissa, Marissa Tomei? Tomei? Look at both of us. Marissa Tomei? Really? As a background actress in a towel walking through the gym. Really? Okay. Oh. Yeah, that's the thing. If oh. you had to pull up your IMDb <laughs> and look at his starring roles and background actresses, mm. it'd be impressive. You know, there'd be a yeah. laundry list of. Well, he'll come to uh, this Austin area quite a bit and do some filming for things. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's still active. I've kind of mm -hmm. dipped out over the last. Once podcasting became a part of my life, I didn't really haven't deeped any uh, mm -hmm. gone into the, my old favorites that much. It's a, I think the uh, the Austin area is definitely have a resurgence of film. like when I first moved here in two thousand, film there were the city was offering tax breaks to big production companies, and so mm -hmm. film was definitely a thing here. And then then they quit that, and film moved to Louisiana, and then it sort of moved to Georgia, but. Uh, recently there's definitely a resurgence and I think a lot of it is the tech, tech technological side of film you know mm -hmm. they have an, a couple new technological like green screen places where they're doing things like the Mandalorian now mm -hmm. and they're filming a lot of the Walking Dead out in Bastrop area. They do Mandalorian here? Some That, that makes sense a lot of the desert landscape uh, type yeah, stuff for sure. It's killer man we have a friend director um, Boudreaux Partita who went to the grand opening of this new facility here and it's a giant this incredible giant sort of um, digital it's not i mean it's not a green screen it's more of a, like a VR. yeah v, virtual reality Curve situation floor mm -hmm. stuff yeah and so that, they're just inserting your ass in the middle of some planet somewhere yeah. you know seamlessly yeah it's really wild i always they really knocked mandalorian like right out of the park i know it it was so good it. Mm -hmm. so good i had to really look at all the rest of the star wars movies and go you know what? This series is better than a couple mm -hmm. of those by a lot. Yep. And John Favreau, did he write and direct? Um, I don't know if he wrote. No. Because Boba Fett wasn't very good. <clears throat> yeah, it wasn't as good as The Mandalorian. I no, I don't know how they missed that because they had all the same uh, mm -hmm. chemistry and everything. Yeah, it was a similar vibe. Yeah, but it didn't. I don't know. It didn't stick for me. I actually just rewatched the uh, the Cube. It's been a long time since I've seen the, seen the Cube. And well, there's like three of them, right? Yeah, there's yeah. It's like Hypercube, and those movies blew my mind, you know? Yeah. Like, especially as they're a great, to me, they're a great example of like this Minimalist. Sort of, an anthology that sort of, at first, you don't know anything about where they are. And then as they move into this anthology, or, or, or sort of not a franchise, not an anthology, but more mm -hmm. of a franchise in this Cube 2 and 3, 
and you start to learn more about why it's there and the engineering yeah. of the system. And it's like, but it was so fascinating. That movie's great. Those, yeah. All of them. Like, and I looked at it again. I'm like, the set, how clever. Yeah. You wrote a movie inside a movie. Uh-huh. It's really, really interesting. I don't know what the budget was for that, but whoever, I don't even know how to structure that, but I could see that. They're really dealing with uh, the set. I would love to see how they shot it because uh -huh. it is in a box, as you're curious. So they've got uh -huh. open ends with the cameras. Uh, yeah. You probably look at that as a director. Mm -hmm. You're like, how the fuck did they do that? And how can yeah. I figure it, do it half the price? Always. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and the, but for those who don't know, like The Cube is, is a, it's a movie about these people that sort of wake up entrapped in these cubes, in these rooms that are cubes. Ahead of its time. Yeah, and every face has a door out. And so, they, but they have to figure out how to get the door open and then all, and going to the next room and it's boob, they're booby trapped, right? So it's like anything can happen and they're deathly booby trapped. And, yeah. And some of them aren't so bad and others are just, will, will kill your ass. Well, so I freaked out a little bit when I saw it because the opening scene, you know the guy who gets cut with the wires? Uh-huh. That's my dad in Spare Parts, Julian Richards. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm like, that's a guy. Who, oh, yeah, I Sweet. totally slept on that. He's I, the first person to get killed. Some of the most underrated movies ever, The Cubes, I think. Yeah. Like, I, I'd never heard of them. I had a friend years ago that said, you have to watch these movies, man. You gotta, you have to watch them. And I did. I watched the first one. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. How can I? I've never heard of this before. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that was the thing with like VHS tapes. There was physical stuff. You'd find a somebody another man's garbage is another man's gold mm -hmm. so somebody would have a recycling box with 50 vhs yeah. tape they threw out their whole who their mm -hmm. kids horror movie collection yeah and you'd take and you those tapes would last through anything yeah so we just take up a whole library of all this new movies and stuff that we'd never even seen or yeah. heard before a different thing it's like yeah. comic books i definitely i'd like to get our movies our films put on vhs but you know it's harder than what you would think like i looked into companies to do that and and um, you know they're you pretty much have to rent some, or buy a VCR and and sort of do it yourself. There's I wanted it professionally done. Yeah, where there's a nice logo, Packaging. like the black quarry, yeah. saran wrap, yeah. shrunk wrap. Yeah, like old school yeah. shit, you know. And um, they, there's just no companies that are doing that. And I find that weird because in the horror community and in, in that demographic, VHS is still. It's like records for audiophiles. Yes. You know? They go and they like the nostalgia of listening to records. Well, VHS is like that for horror people. Mm -hmm. And yet, I, I'm like, there's a whole business out there, dude, for somebody who wants to create VHS. Cassettes have been making appearances over the last four mm -hmm. or five years. I've seen some bands that really didn't have to release any music on anything other than digital that are putting out limited edition cassette tapes, yeah. which is cool. I don't know how many people have Sony Walkmans still, but mm -hmm. uh, I think a lot of kids went deaf because of those things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> Sony Sport Walkmans. <laughs> those yellow, it looked like, uh, you know, mm -hmm. a tortoise shell. It was brutal. <laughs> but um, did you go Chicken to, butt. Did you go to... <laughs> Kyle Dunnigan. Do you watch his stuff? Uh uh. Oh, uh, he does a thing where he bothers his mother. He's, he's like, hilarious. Yeah, Honestly, I probably oh, have hilarious. seen him. I just yeah. don't recognize his if name. If I pulled something, you'd immediately uh, be uh, be familiar. But yeah, he he bothers his mother constantly. Yeah. He's constantly bothering his mother. But um, what does uh, that got to do with? I don't. Oh, he's going, <laughs> mom, 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 mom. She's like, what? Chicken butt. <laughs> 
I was missing that connection. No, I should have explained myself. <laughs> like, what is he fucking with his mom about so much? Oh, he's totally messing. He ripped uh, okay. down some fine art off the wall. Did you see that one? Oh, his mother had a very expensive painting in the house, and uh -huh. he, he pretends he's a idiot. Mm -hmm. And he starts, am I... I I drew some flowers on your painting. She's like, oh, my God, that's a fire. So she doesn't know that he's not, he's pretending he has some Now kind of he's super famous. Oh, okay. But in the beginning, it was very uh, early uh -huh. jackassy, you know, uh -huh. hidden camera type okay. stuff. But it's all done from his cell phone. Now mm -hmm. he's doing all these face swap stuff. It's, it's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. He just did a 9-11 a documentary uh, narrated by Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> what? Yeah, exactly. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Get out of the play. I guess that's more of Arnold Schwarzenegger. But what was Sylvester Stallone? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. 9-11 <laughs> I should work on I used to do a lot of impressions uh, in, in the classroom More to be disruptive But I do have an ear for voices and stuff That was pretty good just then uh, That's a pretty standard Stallone It was 9-11 <laughs> And we got to take it down Never forget Adrian Yeah <laughs> yeah, I know. It sounded like you had a stroke. I feel like I'm trying to push my own finger out of the way. <laughs> Hello. Um, no film school. Uh, for me, yeah. no. Um, no, I, you know, I think running a theme park for 17 years was film school enough. And, you know, we started our production company, which is Horror Web Productions. You can go follow us on mm -hmm. social media. And, with the intention of, of doing films and 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 stuff and and we started off not really knowing anything about the the film world you know and that was 2016 or something you was know? that in mind for you as a long term goal is I'm going to have this not necessarily use the theme park but I'm going to figure out how to make a use the theme park as a long form tool to kind of figure out the beginning and the end of the stories how the yeah. pieces all move together because you've got the course of Mm -hmm. the month and the build-up to yeah. it so that is like a feature film. absolutely man well you know it's with the thing about thing about that business is it's seasonal and so it's hot and you know when it's happening it's happening man and then after that you know it's dead and so you know i look i just sort of looked at looked at things like you know what am i going to be doing for the other nine or ten months of the year creatively you know in horror and and it just sort of made sense that film would, would be it, you know, and yeah. that I've been directing these parks forever. So it was very natural extension to direct over to films. Now, we did have to learn at first. We did not have the technical team that we had now for the Black Quarry. You know, the first movie was The Witch's Bargain that we did. And yeah. it, it ended up winning over 45 international awards. I know. I awards. kept seeing these mm -hmm. notifications coming up that you yeah. guys had had some yeah. prizes and stuff. Very proud of it. And um, and. With that, I, you know, the, the, the thing that's the most that I'm the most proud of is we started that film not knowing anything about how to make a film, you yeah. know. But when you don't know anything, you're not immersed in that. You know, one cool thing about that is you're rogue, man. Like, you don't, you, you're not trying to mimic something else and you don't have that training. And so it's kind of like. Rule book. That's you're, right. You're making it up as you go along and where mm -hmm. it applies. That's right. It's kind of like piano. Like, you can sit there. You know, I know a lot of classically trained pianists that can't write a song. Yeah, but they're incredibly talented and technically speaking, and 
but but they have now they're so sort of so much rules and so much they're hard to break out of that and and to use that as a channel for your own creativity and and I'll say that you know we learned you know how to make a film a technical in a technical way the story and the creativity of our team is is always there mm -hmm. you know that was we have a very creative team from the very beginning even when it was small it was extremely creative and and very talented all of us have creative businesses that we run that are very successful um and so you guys are all very nice too yeah That's what well, jared said he goes everybody's nice here and i go i know that go this is called being professional you can't fuck around here everyone's focused we're told and that a lot actually i i find that very strange i think that's we're mix, we're misconstrued nicest with passion yeah i think you surround yourself with passionate people mm -hmm. we all got enough friends but if we're all trying to get to the ultimate mm -hmm you know, Valhalla, a creative yeah. moment, you're going to have to need a bunch of soldiers that are willing to trot in yeah. the rain with you. That understand compromise and a shared vision. Yeah. You know, it's a collaborative vision. And, you know, even as a director, like it's, it's, I don't make decisions on my own unless I, unless there is a stalemate and someone has to, to be able to make some progress, mm -hmm. then I will and we'll move forward. And that's my job. But for the most part, you know, uh, we're a collaborative vision team because we have such wonderful artists and writers on mm -hmm. our team that it's always the, the, the sort, of, sort of the sum is always going to be greater, you know, this uh, or than the individual than you know. That's hard though. Yeah, it is hard. It's very with, hard. Like I really, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm in awe of it because it, what you guys all there's just too many pieces for me. <laughs> I'm. A, I stand and deliver like mm. I don't even have instruments. That's another thing I got in the comedy is mm. I didn't want to pull a drum kit around. Yeah, right. Or, or any instruments. Yeah. You could have been a singer. You know, I, I that was on the tables mm. when I moved to Vancouver. But uh, that was it, it, no. I didn't want to rely on other people uh -huh. and people for what you put it on the table and are trying to accomplish. I just know people are fuck ups and no, some absolutely. people drop the balls and mm -hmm. and. It, it, then the whole house of cards comes down because so-and-so mm -hmm. didn't do X, Y, and Z, mm -hmm. and that's held up the whole thing. Now that's cost us mm -hmm. this. Absolutely. And that's, luckily, our, we are all, everyone, our team is was small and very responsible in addition to being creative. Yeah. They're all very responsible and um, adults, you know, so nobody's, we all recognize that we've all put in this time and effort in, into this thing, and so we're relying on one another. And And I think that be, that film, The Witch's Bargain, sort of took off and did so well that other filmmakers in Austin saw that. And so our team tripled for the film that you yeah. made, The Black Quarry. We had to triple the team. And at that point, what happens is it's a lot like Guar. You know, I was watching the Guar documentary. Oh, so good. One of the best yeah. documentaries ever. And I will say... The Beatles one was good. I feel like we're a little bit like Guar in the sense totally. that Guar, Guar at the beginning was a theatrical band that that said, you know what, we'll worry about the technical side of it Yes. as later. Yes. But there's a lot of technical bands out there who's not doing... What there aren't is these theatrical, these really fucking cool theatrical, yeah. they're telling stories on stage and shit. Mm -hmm. And I kind of looked at it that way, like, we'll learn, we're all smart, we'll learn the technical, or we'll hire the technical side out. And, and it also, that documentary mm -hmm. showed you of what pitfalls you might have in the future. Mm -hmm. Sorry yeah. to interrupt, but I mm -hmm. really, that documentary is uh, um, a very good example of 
what you do if you just want to do fucking cool shit with mm. rad people. Yep. That was the bottom yeah. line. They lived in a factory. Mm-hmm. You know, that's right. That's a hard thing to do with a bunch of crazy people in the same roof. And he, even Brock, at the end of it, Canadian, by some, the way, he has some regret. You know, about there was one point where I guess they were going to be signed. Yeah. And they wanted some creative, they had some creative constraints on them. And he was like, no. And they didn't sign. Yeah. And it was forever sort of now after that sort of this, this sort of passion project that no one could really ever make a huge living out of. Mm-hmm. And, and he sort of, I think there was, well, even he said there was some, some regret toward that. And, you know, I, you know, we're in a little bit different position because there's actual money in film, you know, it's, yeah. you know and music is a whole nother, a whole nother monster. Thing. Yeah. And so, but I do think that we're a lot like, like that team. 100%. Artistically and yeah. passionately driven yeah. by the things we do. And it's becoming aware, especially in Austin and not just in Austin, but also in Texas and some of these film festivals in Dallas and Fort Worth are now hearing about horror web and the things that we're doing. Mm-hmm. They've seen our films. They're just like, you know, you guys um, are 10 years ahead of the curve. I hope you're right. You I'm know? sure of it. I don't know I'm because sure I don't it. know what the curve is. We just are yeah. so busy. Well, we're just got to You're making down. statements, so you're part of the curve. Like you said, mm-hmm. you've had doubled your crew since mm-hmm. your last project. That doesn't happen to a lot. It's usually like, oh, we're going to have another tough grind. I wonder who is going to be standing with us in this next war we're about to fight. Yeah. Where you've got all these people going, hey, man, I do cool blood stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I moved here from so-and-so. Uh, I think you guys are cool. What you're doing? Can mm-hmm. I get on board? Yeah. Where, what do I do? It definitely helps to be in Austin. Yeah. I mean, there's so much, so many incredibly talented people here. Technically, it's great. And, I fucking love it here. This yeah. city's so cool. Yeah, it's it's changed, and you can argue that it hasn't changed for the better through mm. the years. But when you still come down and you still sort of compare Austin to the other cities, it's hard to compare it to any other city. It's still an amazing city. You know? I've been to 25 countries. Mm-hmm. This is a top 10 city I've been in anywhere in the world. It's fantastic. And uh, let's keep that on the wraps, man. People keep moving here. And shit. I know, I know. <laughs> you know, Rogan has a large reach. And um, he's very inspirational and motivating. People think if they just move somewhere else that it might happen for them. But you got to do something when you're here. Musicians think that all the time, man, yeah. here in Austin. Oh, I'm going to come to Austin and make it big, you know? And it's like, you're going to come to Austin to realize that you aren't shit. Yeah. That's what you're going to... You're going to come here. You're going to realize that there are... There's so... Like, half the city is more talented than you, <laughs> you know? And, and they're half the age. Yeah. That kid's 13, yes. and he crushes on a guitar. Well, first thing that I moved, I moved to Austin to go to grad school, but also I wanted to be a musician. And the first thing I did was go to 6th Street, and I'm not even shitting you, dude. <laughs> you got I saw spanked. A, I saw a 12-year-old. I wasn't even playing. I went to 6th Street playing the blues. Yeah. And, and it was Thinking just pretty like, good. pretty good. Holy shit, a yeah. 12-year-old. And, yeah. and you realize at that point. Blind had, Chinese kid playing slide that's right. at 11 years old, yeah. killing it. Yeah, on, on, on down, downtown Austin, you know. And you realize it's really not about that, you know. And that's sort of, I think, what's driven our film team is that, you know, any type, it's all about that antenna, putting out that antenna and connecting. You know, it's not about a technical ability as much as it is. Can you write a good song that connects to people that they can relate to? Can you make a film that people that that people can pull from or can it entertain them? You know, that connection is 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 vital. You need the technical ability to be able to deliver it 
but you don't have to be a technic, super technical person you know, yeah. for that to, to be yeah. able to get that message no. across. People are extremely forgiving on the technical side mm. if, you're, if your content is connective. Totally. Mm -hmm. I'm aggressively connected. I can't do what I do without linking up with the audience. There has to be this connection Mm -hmm. Or I can't even uh, fascia. get away. What's it called? Fascia? Fascia. What's that? It it's the shit that connects like your muscles to your... Fascia? Dick, you know? Isn't that tendons? <laughs> Isn't it connect your muscles? Fascia has a casing around muscles. All right. I don't you know. See, what, you guys got a corpse in the car we can drag <laughs> out and peel it back a little bit? <laughs> I have some corpses not in the car. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> end of January. They're at home in my bedroom. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Just some skin. I had mannequins in my house that used to scare the shit out of me when I was drunk. I'd forget they're at the end of the hallway. I'd like, Jesus Christ! They keep things interesting. All yeah. the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially when you're all fucked up, which I did a bunch. I got. I used to... Yeah, anyway. Um, bad we don't want to know what you did with your mannequins back at your house when you were I all know, fucked up. I know, my friend's up, like, okay. why is the mouth drilled out? And there's a half a chicken breast in there that's melting. I'm like, she's not ready yet. That's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. yeah. It's called Sleep With Your Eyes Open. <laughs> oh, but, chicken uh, mouth. Uh, October 1st, BatCityScareGrounds.com. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, September the 30th is our official first day. And um, How many acres? It is 15 acres of 15 fear. Acres of 15 fear. acres of fear. fear. Yeah, and it's uh, last year was our first year, and um, we just took off. I mean, it's not our my first rodeo. You know, I own another theme park in West Texas in the wild wild west out there, and for like I said, 17 years or so. This is our 17th year. So we came in hot into Austin. Yeah. And so um, the park, you know, is very highly produced and very immersive, and. Um, you know, and we shoot films. I mean, that's how immersive the scenes are. Like a lot of our films are shot in there. We we recently shot a short called the uh, Basic Witch, which was with our main actress uh, Sarah, mm -hmm. uh, who plays Scare in the Witch's Bargain. She's also the hostess in the Black Quarry. Um, we have a short that we shot this summer. Uh, it was kind of like a fun thing where we could sort of relax and have some fun and she wrote a great little fun script and um, after the black quarry was such an intense shoot the principal photography was intense everything so we really wanted to just kind of lay back and have a you know have some fun yeah. with the short and so it's really it's really great story and so that was all shot in castle orlock who is an alien vampire who's come down to herald the end of the earth yeah it's being destroyed to make way for a galactic you know, pet shit area. I love it. And so um, we have a castle that's sort of retrofitted with the spaceship stuff. And um, and so um, and with the spaceship coming down and shit. And the big stank is this galactic supreme evil that has issued Orlock the Defiler as an ambassadorial duty to go tell the Earth that, you know, your time is nigh, right? And so... Yeah. Anyway, it's a pretty far out story. As a matter of fact, it's, it is very gory. The story is very gory because, you know, he hates Earth. He hates humans. Earth is like the shithole planet in the universe, much like the story there, sort of parallelizing uh, their story. And so our castle attraction is sort of the center and the focus of the sort of unbeating heart of the park there. And then we have Ancient Evil, which is dedicated to like these old school 
mythologies like yeah. Greek and shit and and then uh, our 3D Clownocalypse, which is a dystopian future. I like that one. Yeah. I think that might be my favorite. Yeah. Cause Most people do. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Because I saw that and I was like, oh, this is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of bright and a lot of uh, uh, just, it's just, ah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> well, our actor manager is is the owner of Zombie Peep Show, ah. who who has this incredible fashion horror fashion company yeah. and she does these heels and all this stuff and she outfits lady gaga and like oprah winfrey Very cool. and just yeah oprah. yeah she did oprah you didn't hey, know that? Whoopi Goldberg. oh is it whoopi <laughs> <laughs> all right i'm not gonna say what you were thinking i'm gonna bring up my next guest <laughs> i'm not gonna say what you were thinking <laughs> tom hanks <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and so she's done some killer costuming and wardrobe yeah. for, for the for the folks in that. Very and cool. So it's a full thing, man. It's 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 great. It's a lot of fun in October. It's open seventeen days, and then then I'm back to music and film. You know, cool. So do you look at your calendar year and say, look, I'm going to need various months to do X, mm -hmm. Y, and Z because you've got between film and running a theme park. It's those are two you cannot fuck around. No. There's no fuckery. Yeah, and the theme park pretty much goes a lot of you know, it's it's really intense right now, of course, but but we do build there pretty much throughout the year. Yeah. You know, it's not like we can we have the luxury of just waiting for a month before we open. We do build throughout the year. It's just not this intense schedule. We just kind of go out there mm -hmm. and we can also have a good time while we build. It's but you know, now it's more of an intense like preparation phase. But but yeah, you know, we lay out our calendar year and most of the horror web film production team is also involved with the scaregrounds and so we uh, we're all busy at the same time, right? So we all kind of like springtime is our principal photography film time. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, fall is largely a lot of preparation for the next film that we're going to do. And then we move into the summertime, which is editing and, and assembly and, and audio and coloring and stuff. So Great. And where, um, where are we going to see this next film at the end of January? That's always a hard question. And I'll tell you why. It's because... I mean, just in the city. Yeah. Oh, well, there's... I want to I, I go with the premiere. There's a private viewing. Oh, is there a private? We have to, we have to be careful because film, if it leaks? film festivals will not let you enter if you've had a public viewing of your film. Wow. So in order to get into Fantastic Fest or if we're, you know, pie in the sky like South, South by Southwest or something, if they hear that we've already shown the film yeah. to the public, then we're axed immediately. It's wow. not an option. And so... Um, we have a private viewing for the actors and stuff, you know, I'll pay for it at a cinema, at a cinema, you know, at this time, I think it's the Austin film school, maybe yeah. or something, but, but it'll be a while before it's publicly available. available. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't care about the public. I want to see it. <laughs> I want to see it. Now our the basic, which will probably be, you know, probably be one of the first ones out. It'll go through a film circuit too, but, um, um, but you know, because it's not tied to a feature length film, yeah. you know, it probably wants it, it'll, it'll sort of go through its film, the, the, the film festival circuit. And then after that, it, it'll be, we'll release it somehow. So that cool to the public. But. And where can people find you online? You can find horror web productions. And then that sort of Corey, me personally. Yeah. 
Oh, you know okay. what? See, this is the thing. This is a director. It's like, I don't want anything to do with the public. Just go to, <laughs> buy my shit and leave me alone. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, yeah, well, you, could, you could find me personally, I guess, on, face, on Facebook if you know me, you know. But you should definitely follow. You should definitely follow. Uh, Scara. Well, Scara, Damsel of the Doom, of course. She's yeah. fantastic. And she has all the social media. We would like to see most of the human race killed off because it is unworthy. It is unworthy of the gift of life. I don't care what society thinks. They're nothing anyway. They're no better than me. Until we have a safe word, we will not stop. Safe word with Jason Rouse.